Hello and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Hunt and with me is Nicholas Lamley. Well, hello there. And of course we've got James the Clark. Oh yeah, the one and only. This, by the way, is an RPG show all about tabletop RPGs. But before we begin, I want to thank Ace B, Ju- Jason Duncan, Fucked Up, Julian Burnick and Ryan Wahab. <laughs> These guys pledge at the Dreadlord level over on Patreon, and if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash 3 Podcast. I've uh, got another quick shout-out I want to do as well. Uh, CJ Stott, loyal listener. Oh, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's, a pretty, he's, a, he's a cool fucking guy, and he's sending us uh, the uh, full suite of Hackmaster books um, of the latest edition. I know, he's a good, he's a good guy. So we're going we're gonna to be... He's do- a good egg. He's a good egg. If indeed he is an egg, but I have it on good authority that he is in fact a man. <laughs> okay. He's actually human, but nonetheless. that said, he is sending us the latest edition, and we're going to do a full sort of history of the Hackmaster episode once those arrive. Oh, and it's going to be fun. Basically, what that means is he now owns the show. Okay. Oh, is he like <laughs> executive CEO? He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets to dictate what we do on this show now, and he owns the company. Um, so. If you want to do the same, send us, well, either RPG products or solid gold bars. We accept yeah. either. Yeah, we take bullion. We do take bullion. and yeah. Diamonds, rare diamonds. Rare diamonds would be rare nice. Diamonds. Common common diamonds. Well, even cool. common. We don't mind. All right? Yeah. But yeah, today we've got, a, we've got a show for you today. I'm not going to say how good it's going to be because I don't know. But we've got feedback. We've got the news. <laughs> we've got what you've been saying where we talk about what we've been playing. And then, of course, we're going to go on to the main subject, which is micro rpgs and why we need them we're going to sort of go through a, a few here today and then of course we've got electro letters where we're going to answer your questions but for now shall we feed the back mm. yeah don't sound too excited james <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you've been feeding it all week is that why it, his back yeah, is full it, yeah. yeah it's been it's been gnawing at my arm my yeah. fingers are painful the feedback side the feedback side yes bitch the feedback side the feedback section yeah we take your comments and read them out yeah feedback bitch um so first bit of uh, feedback comes in from ace b he's talking about the cyberpunk episode we did and he said hacking is great but what he means is the hacking in the game but time consuming althalsorium released a card game to kind of balance speed versus complexity of hacks i've never seen it in real life I actually knew somebody that played this. It was called Netrunner, and it was a deck-building game where you bought, I think, pre-made decks, and you just played them. Oh, so it's separate from Shadowrun, then? It's not oh, Cyberpunk. You don't use it with Shadowrun. What? Cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a separate <laughs> card game. I don't know if it's actually supposed to be in place of the hacking in the game, but it's set in the same universe, basically. Uh. Um, but he continues and he says it was good that cyberpunk allows for some cinematic moments because the combat is deadly and clunky roll to hit subtract cover stats figure out how much gets through your armor figure out how much your armor ablates take damage roll for shock Uh, yeah he is right it is quite complicated in that particular thing because we discussed it last episode like you kind of when you're shooting at somebody it's kind of annoying because you have to subtract the amount of damage you do from uh, their, like their armor, so you subtract that from mm-hmm. the damage. 
but if they're behind cover you have to subtract the stopping power of the cover first see how many bullets get through subtract the amount of cover then subtract the amount of armor but i think once you get used to it you can do it quite quickly but the problem we found in the game is when you're doing full auto nick so like in savage worlds for example if you do full auto rate of fire three i think it's called you yep. just roll three dice and take the higher. So it's an abstract mm-hmm. way of doing um, full auto. But in this game, you have to roll to see how many bullets hit, then roll damage for each bullet. And now some machine guns can do 5d6 yeah, damage. So if you hit with seven bullets, you have to do roll all seven bullets separately, by the way, then do the armor, then do the cover. No, the other way around. But anyway, yeah, it can be annoying. Mm. So I actually looked up the... Um, full auto rules in Cyberpunk Red, the latest version, and that is in fact what I'm going to use when we play on Friday. But, because uh, it doesn't, it's a more abstract one. Instead, you just you, the amount of bullets that hit the is like you roll it the, um, to hit roll, and how many you get over the target number is how many bullets hit, up to four for oh, okay. machine guns, up to three with submachine guns, and then you just roll uh, that amount times a number of d6 so it's like if you hit with four bullets you just roll four times two d6 so you just roll eight d6 and that's mm-hmm. the damage one one roll which is quite a fair bit better. better yeah 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 definitely. still clunky but um the thing is is that the only problem is the world is quite well written and really well done that i don't really want to have to port it over to another game and i, I just want to use yeah. the book and use the shit in it you know what i mean yeah oh, definitely definitely yeah that is Popular. it for feedback. We only got that one from Ace Speed this time. Super fan. Super Ace. I tell you what, we've got some bloody good news. Today. Well, it's not good news. We've got some bad news today. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So the first one, right, now this isn't necessarily big news or even really worth talking about, but it's something I wanted to have a bit of a moan about. Is that alright with you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go on. absolutely. Yeah, go on. I've Agony been, aunt. Thank you, thank you. I've been losing sleep over this one. Let it all out. Thanks, Nick. Thank, I need it. Um, so yeah, That's Dark fine. Trails changes its name. Now I know what you're thinking. It's not the Chaosium product, Dark Trails, where it's Cthulhu meets the West. It's the DCC product where the Cthulhu meets the West. Mm. Let me tell oh, you no. this, right? Dark Trails is a weird West setting for DCC, and it combines the Cthulhu mythos and Wild West, along with Luchador Wrestling. Chaosium <laughs> obviously released the book with the same name and basically the same setting, but obviously they released it before the uh, the Dark Trails by Stiff Whiskers Press for DCC. So a legal battle commenced, and ultimately what happened is this. Chaosium gave the game's publisher, Stiff Whiskers, a settlement, right? But he was to use that to rebrand his game to Weird Frontiers. <laughs> now, it's not exactly newsworthy, and I think that it's um, kind of interesting in a way. But I wanted to mention this because I got this email in a Kickstarter update that told me about this, right? The 69th update since I backed this project. And the update said, important, please read. And I thought, right, it's finally out. My books are coming. Here we go. Here Nick ordered one each, <laughs> yeah, It's actually. coming. And it was, it was just an update about a name change. And I backed this... <laughs> In May 2019. Oh no, I'm getting flashbacks. And I'm just, I'm fucking sick of it. I don't even give a shit about this fucking book anymore. (laughs) 
I'd rather no, have my money back. You couldn't care less. I know, because you know, like the, it's. I thought the Savage Worlds was bad. Like when you get it a year later and your hype has really died <laughs> yeah. down. But this is taking the piss. It's a, it's a distant memory now. I'll be honest with you though. Um, I think I like Weird Frontiers as a as a name more than I do like Dark Trails. I do too. I think it's is great. There a, is there not any way of like dropping out now? They've been too fucking long with all. Too this late, shit. mate. He's already got my money. No, we're in, mate. We're in. What? <laughs> We're oh, right yeah, in there, James. Oh. The thing is, I and I don't mean any ill will to the game's creator because it is being made by one guy, David Beatty, who's actually written stuff for DCC, and he's an extremely good writer and a very clever bloke. But the only trouble is, is that there's there's sort of a golden rule with Kickstarter when you're making an RPG product, and it's have the whole thing written when you go to Kickstarter, mm. right? Then. To worry about layout, worry about changes, editing, all of this, but have the whole thing written so that your fans can expect it in a reasonable time. And all we've got so far is a discount for a jumpstart version on Drive-Thru RPG. Not physical book, mind you, but that's what I bloody ordered, and it's been nearly two years. <laughs> Fuck. Sick of it. D&D TV show by John Wick creator. Here we go. That's the next headline, by the way. It wasn't related to... So Derek Kolstad, the creator or and writer behind the John Wick franchise, if you can believe such a thing that it was actually written by somebody, um, has been tapped to pen and develop a pitch for a live-action series based on the Dungeons & Dragons universe. Now... I don't know, because, you know, writers get assigned to projects all the time, and then they just go under and never get made, but... It would be fucking cool if he did this. Yeah. Yeah, especially him, because he knows how to do action well. Well, really well. He won't disappoint in that He knows regard. how to do gun action well. That's the trouble. Yeah. But maybe if he sets it in Eberron, where there are guns, that would be pretty cool. Cause well, that, was, all, that was what I was going to ask next. It's like, you know, the, not being funny, but the D&D universe is pretty big. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. it could be just about anything, you know. Just orcs. But I, I will say this. <laughs> I'm not sure if he had a background in in like firearms and stuff before he made John Wick, but there's loads of really cool little details where it's kind of like accurate in John Wick. You know, like there's some that aren't, but you know, like there's a bit where he's fighting somebody underwater, and he kind of like swims away from them because he knows the bullets will be ineffective within a like certain range or whatever. Yeah, you know what cool. I mean? So that's cool. Yeah, and it's like loads of really yeah. clever little details like that in John Wick that kind of make it really cool I mean the story's rubbish but the action is really good and I remember talking to you about John Wick years ago yeah I mean it was like episode <laughs> 6 of this podcast when we first mentioned it I watched it maybe 6 months ago great film but um, I yeah I would just uh, I don't know about this if he can do D&D but if he if his research for John Wick goes into D&D and he makes like really good I don't know bow and arrow based action do you know what I mean <laughs> no, I think he. I think he could because obviously that's his. I feel like that's his thing. It's like he wants it to be as raw as possible. So if there's any sort of, um, you know, say range weapons and all that, he'll actually get, you know, proper proper detailing in that. That's so I, true. I don't think we'll be disappointed with with the action, but as we know, the story may be yeah. toilet. <laughs> but if that's all right, though, the thing is he makes a gritty. He makes a gritty film, right? So you know, we're all hoping for a cop drama that's just orcs you know really gritty I'm asking you to hand in your badge grub thrub nub I'm starting my own private detective agency yeah I would watch that actually that's what he needs to make yep 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 earn a and d badge at Cub Scouts that's cool it is cool so Cub Scouts hey, in the UK wait a second where the fuck was this what when I was a fucking Cub Scout I can hear somebody talking is that? oh that's your wife isn't it Nick 
Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Sorry, Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, exactly, James. So um, Cub Scouts in the UK, I think they're, well, they're called Cub Scouts in America. We just call it Cubs here. But um, they give out various badges for completing tasks like fishing, fighting, glue sniffing. Um, but now... You Helping can get an old lady across the road. That's true, right? Or... Pushing her into the road. Pushing her into traffic. I mean, they're very diverse. I was a Cub Scout. <laughs> but yeah, so was I, actually, for a very short amount of time, and then realised I have no physical attributes, and as a result, I uh, stopped. <laughs> I was... Do you remember what Do you remember what you was before Cubs? Mm. Yeah, Beaver. Beavers, beavers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, mate. I was, I was the, I was the trio. I went to beavers, cubs, and and then scouts. No, I didn't go it. scouts. No, actually, I, I, I realised I only actually did beavers. Um, <laughs> and I remember, I remember doing one camping trip and being like, no, the same for me. There's no toilet. And I remember it's, it's just so weird. It was like so much of it was. Oh no, I can't really say that. But it was like, it was really terrible. I think the only thing I remember is trying to make a pancake on top of a can. <laughs> Do you remember that? You'd, no, use, you'd use a hollowed yeah, out that's, can. That's the experience though, isn't it, really? What, rubbish and low budget? Yeah, that's what you're there for. But anyway, one of the badges in Cub Scouts you can earn is an entertainer badge. So if you perhaps put on a comedy night for the rest of your Cub Scout people. But uh, there's a variant of it now. If you run a D&D game for your for your Scouts, uh, you can get this badge. And it's got the image of uh, the Harlequins, you know, the two masks for the... Uh, mm-hmm. For the image, but it's got D and D written on it too, so it's a variant on the entertainer badge, and that's pretty. I was about to cool. say, okay, so they have actually updated it and not just used that badge and said, "Yeah, go on, it's D and D badge now." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so okay. it's pretty cool, and that I, I like that because I think the best. That, well, I mean, it's a good thing to bring the the hobby to more more kids, you know, because they're going to grow up and and start playing these games. So I think it's good to get more kids into the hobby. I think sometimes. It can be a bit overly complex and a bit boring for kids, but if you've yep. got them running it for your mates at Cub Scouts, I think it's a good idea. Definitely. Question. Go on. Um, do you, is, is it exclusive to D&D in order to get the badge? The unfortunate thing is it's got Dungeons & Dragons specifically written on it, so you can't go there and run Fatal, Nick. Oh. Well, yeah, but I mean, come on. Why can't you have, you know, I mean, if you run, maybe, maybe if you've run a Call of Cthulhu one, you could have Cock on it. Oh, no. Nick. <laughs> no, no, Nick. <laughs> I meant C-O-C. You silly boy. <laughs> you stupid man. <laughs> Copy um, cock badge at Scouts. <laughs> what? You're never going there again, Jimmy. <laughs> that is it for news, lads. So, uh, yeah, uh, good good, good week, really. I mean, uh, sort it out, Dark Trails, all right? <laughs> all right. I'm, oh, I'm off to get my D&D badge. I'm going down the local Cub Scouts to get my my D&D badge but you can't you're 32 years old shut up Arkayla <laughs> Arkayla yeah oh I forgot they named after the Jungle Book do you remember what the um, do you remember what the little things you know those um, the little neck, things neckerchiefs oh I know I know you know what they're, the thing that you use to tie them up is called of course what's it called Nick a toggle uh, well that's the funny thing because I remember when we were kids it was called a woggle isn't that terrible a woggle I thought it was a toggle I'm sure it's a toggle I'm uh, fairly certain it's a woggle. Is it? Oh, maybe I'm wrong then. I have to check. <laughs> it's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, I remember that weird. I think they tie probably thing. they probably changed it. Yeah, because it's like it's yeah, not like I'm... a tie, is it? It's just like a handkerchief rolled up. Yeah, it like is. It's like a slightly a, a little bit longer hanky. 
And it's actually mm. not. It's, mm. It goes against health and safety rules, mate. You could choke someone with that. And I have. Are they still in? Are they still in service? Them things, or have they like updated it for a health and safety era? We have to look. We have to dip back into cubs. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to go there to go run a D and D game, do a full report on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have, yeah. To, we have to get our badges. I'll just, I'll just go there pretending to be a child. <laughs> yeah, we're just, yeah, we just dress up as kids. <laughs> All right. It's a run a game of D and D. That name me badge. Right, no fucking swearing. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for news. Let's get on to what we've been playing. Yes. Win what you've been slaying. Why? Well, that was like low energy, man. All right, let's do that. So that was it for news. <laughs> let's get on to what we've been playing. How's that? Oh, yes. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> this is a wild ride, ladies and gentlemen. This is what, what we've been doing. Yeah! Yeah! And one of these. Oi, yeah. What you slaying? Um, yeah. Right. So I've I, we we finished up our Planescape. Can't really call it a campaign because it was only five episodes long. But uh, yeah, essentially, Mini. We, we we've been playing a little Planescape game where these guys were uh, on sigil, which is the neutral plane in the center of all of the uh, other sort of afterlifes and that. Um, and the guys kind of woke up with a bunch of scars on them, things like this, and they were told that they worked for a an organisation called the Collectors, um, who provided the services going throughout the planes and and retrieving items for people that they might have lost or or mislaid or something like this. Um, and their boss, uh, it turns out, now now we've come to the end of this arc of it, basically the bo- their boss uh, actually cursed them. The re- they woke up without any of their memories, and it turns out their boss had done it. And also all of their clients, up until now, was his boss, was their boss sort of changing shape and assuming different yep. forms. And the reason he was getting them to go to all these dangerous places and gather these items was to um, build up an armory of stuff in order to take down... The Lady of Pain, um, who's this... Yeah, that's a pretty big twist. Yeah, I thought Mm. it was kind of cool. But um, yeah, the Lady of Pain is basically this, you know, never-talking, omnipotent god who who, uh, kind of oversees Sigil, the neutral plane, and disallows any gods from coming in. Turns out the Lady of Pain had killed their boss's wife, and so he'd manipulated a bunch of people into working for him and gathering these items and things like this. So yeah, that was basically the where we left it. Um, <clears throat> uh, first of all, like Nick, what did you think of the of the setting, Planescape? Now we've delved a little bit more yeah, into it. it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love Planescape. I mean, we had we had a little. Uh little go in Planescape some years back and it was it was fun mm. and um, and this one was a lot more well we was a lot more grounded in this one weren't we because in last time we ventured into Planescape we was um, was it Planescape it was Planescape, it was Planescape it? but it you really guys were quite high level yeah. in that one um, and we were hopping between worlds and stuff whereas in this one we was very much it was a very different situation it felt like you know we was we was confined to Sigil for the most part um, and then we was in like a really rough part of town so it had like a kind of I don't know, Lankmar feel to it a bit. It did, um, yeah. And it was it was cracking, mate. I loved it. It was a city campaign, really. And and the thing about it is, yeah. is that Sigil um, is often called the cage because it's very difficult to get out of. And actually, I kind of wanted... To, there was going to be plane hopping and stuff like this, but you have to remember it's quite hard to do. Um, so in yeah, the five exactly. episodes we played, the guys actually only did it once and went to the chaotic neutral plane called the Grey Wastes. Um, yeah. But, um, that was really, really interesting, that was. I do think that um if 
yeah, if we do revisit it, it will be so much better in person. That's one of the troubles I found. This is kind of the reason I cut the campaign a little bit short, is because I think it, it kind of relies a little bit the setting because like because the even just the map of it is quite complicated. Being that Sigil, the main city that you guys are in, is on a ring, so you can kind of go two separate ways and end up in the same place. So it's yeah. it's really bizarre like that, and the map is being constantly rebuilt by Debus, who are these like yeah. floating goat heads that work for um, the Lady of Pain. So the thing is, one of the central aspects of it is when a part of the city dies, it just gets built over within like half a day, and so you could go down the same street and experience something completely different. And kind of having a map there really helps with that. Just simply, and mm-hmm. it's the same with the the map of the planes themselves and where Sigil sits. It kind of has this really cool yeah. cosmology to it, and it really needs maps. I feel, and for people to do a bit of mapping because you could have a yeah. quest yeah, ent- entirely based around the fact that you're tr- just going home and suddenly the layout has completely changed, and you're going down dark alleyways fighting people. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's there's creepy. certain large aspects of the setting that, that didn't work entirely with Theatre of the Mind. Additionally, it's as I said to you guys the other day, we just finished a long three-arc campaign where you guys were nearly at maximum level, you mm. know. And it felt a bit of a shame yeah. going back to starting from nothing in a city where everything hates you again. Do you know what I mean? In a fantasy setting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just hungry to do something completely different. So, um, yeah, we're gonna we we're, we're finishing that off, and we're gonna play Tough Guys, which is the expansion to Wise yeah. Guys. Oh yes, yeah. really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too, man. Um, so for those that don't know, this is a London nineties uh, gangster setting that Nick and I worked on, and it should be it should be really fun, I think, because it's very British, very nineties, and it's you know gangster stuff i wanted something because planescape is so high concept and so weird i wanted something that everyone could just get straight away yeah that wouldn't suffer from not needing maps because it's set in london where we all nearly live by Mm, yeah pretty much and we all know it we all you know we all grew up as not as you know we're all roughly the same age range Mm. and um you know it's it's all something that we're familiar with so it should be something that's a right laugh, I think. I reckon it'll be really fun and uh, somewhat nostalgic yeah. um, because it's set in the 90s. Yes, exactly. What you have to remember as well is that the 90s, like people look back on the 80s and think it was cool, the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, but nobody has ever gone, God, I love the 90s. I mean, the music was <laughs> awful. The fashion was terrible. Do you know what I mean? And so that's, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's going to be, a, a, a source of comedy and B, like, because think about it. Think about what was in the charts at the time. You're going to have these hard-nut gangsters being, oh, I love the So Solid crew. Oh, listening to Five. Yeah, listening to Five or Ronan Keating and Boyzone and shit. 911. <laughs> like, I, I need to get home. Uh, blind dates on and then gladiators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, one of the kind of um, setting rules, well, it's not really a setting rule, but it's an edge you can take, a character creation where you can be a made man. So in Wise Guys, uh, for which Tough Guys is an expansion, the, the one of the one of the edges is that you can, um, I should mention it's Savage Worlds, but yeah, as a made man, what it means is you're of Italian heritage and you're officially part of the Mafia. And yep. what that, that, that gives you various perks, but that means other characters are associates. So 
you don't work directly for the mafia, but they often call you up to do jobs and you've got a good relationship with them, you know? So it's like you could just be a small-time drug dealer who buys off the mafia and then kicks up some of the profits of what he what he sells, you know? Something like that. So, it, it, but, but Nick has decided to be a made man in the tough guys' oh, scene. yeah. The big the big difference is that in British gangs, it's not about heritage. It's more if you want to be a part of at least one of the white gangs, you'll be uh, you have to either know them since you're a kid or be related. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. So yeah, we created Nick's character. Uh, we still got the others to make, but Nick is going to be a made man, which means a he never has to pay for clothes. He's always well dressed. He never has to get a reservation at a restaurant because people know him and they just sit him down. Mm-hmm. He only kicks up twenty five percent of his profits instead of fifty, and he gets the benefit of streetwise and a free social edge, which is nice. pretty cool. Yeah, mate. it's one of the better edges in the book. To be fair, it's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're playing. Uh, describe your character to us, Nick. Well, my name's uh, Mickey Jackpot Duggar, and uh, I'm a ex semi professional dance player. That's um, not well. He's uh, he's he's his high life in the dark game is over, and uh, he's uh, still quite addicted to the rock and roll lifestyle of the '90s dance scene or early '90s, late '80s, should I say? And um, <clears throat> He's uh he's got he's got family in the uh, in the gang in the Holloway firm and um and his new job uh is that he's been given the title of area boss which he's got no experience in doing, but he's always got a pint in his hand. He's an, he's nasty with a set of darts and he's a pretty hard fella. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's pretty cool because one of the things you have to do to um in Wise Guys is you have to give your character a redeeming quality, something that humanizes them. <laughs> <laughs> For example, um, you know, I played a Black Elvis impersonator once, and you know, he had a kid that he was trying to get custody of again. In addition to being in the gang <laughs> lifestyle, uh, yeah. Nick's character is this fucking hard nut. But you know, he's also a retiree. He retired from dance, and so he joined a flower arranging club. And he's sort of like the only man there, and he always buys all the biscuits, and he, you know, he treats those women with the utmost respect. He's like, yeah, don't you fuck with old Gladys, mate. They're my treasures. They're my treasures, they are. Deirdre, and tulips. Yeah. Because yeah. I said to Nick, it's a really weird phenomenon, isn't it, that flower arrangers and gardeners, they're either posh or really cockney, and I don't yeah. know why that is. It's one or the other. If, do you ever watch um, Gardener's World? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so on that, there's there's like the main guy, Monty Don, who's like... Monty Don. Oh, no, I'm, yeah. I'm just cutting my flowers. But then the other guy's like, oh, I'm playing my fucking strawberries. Right, these <laughs> are beautiful, son. <laughs> yeah, like, bit fucking pigeon. So believe it or not, Nick's uh, redeeming quality does actually fit with the Cockney yeah. thing. They love flowers. Don't know why. Don't know why. Because they're beautiful. They're beautiful, yeah. So I'm really, really excited. It was a, it was a blast making this fella, and uh, I must yeah. say, from from the get go, he's pretty well statted. So I'm hoping, like, well, just worked out quite well for everything. So uh, looking forward to seeing the rest of the guys. Yeah, me too. And they're all going to be working directly for you, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's going to be fun, and I wanted to play something cathartic, you know, like something that gives you a bit of a release where you're going around kicking down doors, smashing heads in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and um, also so, because yeah. of theater of the mind um and less less areas to think of it would be a lot easier to to track and um yeah i'm really excited it's going to be fun we'll report back on its next session Ooh. very last thing in what we've been saying because it's rpg related i finished cyberpunk 2077 and oh, uh, yeah. 
absolutely loved it. It is a fantastic game. And, you know, having read all of the cyberpunk RPG books now, uh, the amount, uh, the sheer amount of references, even to tiny little things in the RPG books, it's just absolutely incredible. It's just that they've they've got kind of every detail down. Even like we talked about Cyberpunk Red, the latest version, that the city, mm-hmm. or at least the city center, is hit by a nuke, and that's what changes it into the Cyberpunk Red setting. And it, it, the the origin and how the nuke happened, you see it played out in the game i'm not going to spoil it obviously but in the video game yeah it's like that's cool and it's it's amazing and the characters are so fantastically written the setting is great um and And the creator's involved isn't he the creator's involved in the video game yeah he said that he was sort of like heavily consulted on for it and they even would like run decisions by him like oh we want to kill this character and he's like no i had exactly the same idea in mind and stuff Mm. like this so does that come through though does that really come through in the game it seems to me because it's got this it's got the exact same attitude as the books and it's got a level of detail where you can tell he must have been involved in some big way Um, i I like the fact that he was heavily consulted because you know as as you mentioned last time it's, it's like his birth child he said that this is exactly how he would have created it himself in his in his closet if he had the uh, tech to do it way back when yeah. he first wrote it so mm, mm. it's so awesome that he's you know he, he he has had such a part in it and you you knowing the uh, rpgs can actually see it in there yeah i mean it was it was funny because i was reading the rpgs you know while i was playing the game and then i'd be like oh that's a really cool location i have to put that into uh into the tabletop version when i play it and then I'd get a mission, it'd be like, we're going here. And it's like this tiny pub that's mentioned in one paragraph in the book. It's like, fuck it. I'm like, awesome. this is crazy, the amount of detail. That's nice. But I will say, yeah, the, having finished it, the story's fucking amazing. It's really good. Great acting, great atmosphere. And I played it on PS4, and it's still fucking good. Do you want to, uh, do you want to just tell us about the very last bit? Though? Yeah, the non-spoiler part. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, what happened was... is. Um, <laughs> I got I finally got to the end of the game, right? And I'd encountered minimal glitches throughout it, right? But then there's this scene right at the end of the game, really emotional scene. Um, I would just say this, it involves a character getting uh, sitting on a bus, right? And the character sits on the bus, and then for some reason, the shirt she's wearing also appeared behind her on the seat behind her, but it was doing all the same action she was <laughs> as she was doing everything. So the emotional ending was somewhat ruined by the fact that behind her was a ghostly shirt moving around. <laughs> but so you've been pretty lucky apart from that, so not too bad, I guess. Yeah, I mean, as I said, a, a couple of glitches I encountered were, you know, relating to my car hitting me when I called it, and <laughs> quests not starting, but I just reloaded the game and it was fine. Yeah. The Probably the best glitch was that there's, there's this club called The Afterlife, right? And you visit it maybe 15 times throughout the game. And... At one point, I encountered a glitch when I came out of the afterlife where um, there was a car floating in midair. <laughs> yeah. And you know, with these games, right, usually when you go out of an area, it unloads whatever's there. And then obviously yeah. it will spawn new cars, new people when you go there mm-hmm. to save memory. For some reason, that car stayed there through the whole game. So every time <laughs> I went back to the afterlife, there was a car floating five feet off the ground outside. No idea why. Just became a That's feature. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I saw it, and at one point, I was like, I've got to get that car down. That's really annoying me. And so I tried blowing it up, and it was still there. Tried to get in it and drive it. It's still there. Yep. Never mind. <laughs> Very good. But that said, 
it's worth playing even with all that but uh yeah i've gone on too much about it so uh yeah let's get into the main subject shall we lads yes let's do it oh yes main subject magic main subject tokyo main subject all right so um yeah we're talking about micro rpgs uh now all right all right tiny little rpgs (laughs) micro (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about no um so here's the dizzle um micro rpgs often one page or a couple of pages i used to kind of turn my nose up and then be like whatever just play a normal game but we'll say this we played one recently and it was a lot of fun and it's a really great way of playing a one shot considering it doesn't take that much prep and character creation is often very quick mm-hmm. we'll talk about more our experience and why we think we need micro, micro RPGs but we're just going to, we've, we've all picked a couple and we're going to sort of go through them now and sort of, it's a, a pick of you know, a few ones that we think are worth playing, mm-hmm. if you've got a spare week or if you just want to have a break from the big campaign for a day, some of these are actually going to be really fucking fun to play so yeah, should we do it lads? Let's do yes. it let's do it alright, so the first one I chose is Gnome Murdered by RPG Pundit uh, now I know he's a controversial figure but I just uh, just wanted to talk about the game, alright? So, um, let me just read the intro to you guys before I get into what actually the game is. Um, And the intro goes like this. I hate gnomes. With every fibre of my being. Gnome. Gnome. The very word is steeped in hideousness. The silent G stands for evil. There is no force in this world more malevolent that can so effectively strike fear, disgust and hatred into the heart of any decent human being. What kind of man would not have anything less than the deepest feeling of revulsion for these bald-bearded bastards? <laughs> so, this is no murdered, lads. And the thing is, I've sort of bent the rules a little bit, sorry about that. It is a micro-RPG, <clears throat> because the rules actually only comprise about two pages, but it is a published book. Everything else in the book, apart from the first two pages, is optional content. That's what okay. it says. But it isn't free. That's one of the big problems with it. Um, Here's the basic idea of the game, right? The the setting it can take place in any setting you like. It's uh, it's but it has to involve gnomes, obviously. The basic premise is that you create a character simply by taking an index card, writing a descriptor on there. So you might say bank manager with drinking habit, right? Mm -hmm. Then you roll a d6 on a one to a three you are killed by gnomes. On a 4 to a 6, you succeed at what you were trying to do. So the idea is is that you're only ever supposed to roll when the possibility of being killed by gnomes is there. Everything else just happens. But but that's up to the GM. You can make it... Anything could be you killed by gnomes. It could be you go to make a cup of tea, the GM's like, there's a little gnome in the the pot of tea bags. It it pops out, his little head. (laughs) It just goes, Oi, what are you doing? You're boiling me. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, so that that is pretty much it. That's the game. Um, it said it's the ultimate rules light RPG, and uh, I don't know about that, but here's the funny thing. I'm going to go into some of the alternate rules here, right? It says if you don't have dice available, 
flip a coin because essentially that is the mechanic anyway. Yeah. But also you can do a contest of strength. You can either arm wrestle or have an, have a wrestling match with the GM to determine if you get killed by no physical one. <laughs> Which I think is really fucking cool. Um, you can also play Trivial Pursuit. So you get a deck of Trivial Pursuit cards okay. and have to answer questions. And if you get one wrong then you are killed by gnomes. Right. Um, an- right. Another method is group therapy, where <laughs> you sit down and tell you how each scene of the game made you feel, um, and I'm not entirely sure when you decide who gets killed by gnomes, but that, that I think it's a joke. Okay. Um, so there's expansions on the game, as I mentioned as well, like for actual rules. So that you can kind of... Um, you can have a system where instead of just describing your character you also give them a quality so it's like here's a quality for your character that means they get a bonus when they act in that quality so if they're brave for example Mm. and it requires them to be fearless then you get a bonus okay and you also start with a unique item unique to your character as well um that's pretty much it for expanded character rules but the game also comes with a extended bit of gnome lore, which basically tells you about the origins of gnomes and things like this, which is nice. quite, also written in kind of a funny way. Okay. And Good. the very last thing is it's got three mini settings, including one based on Murder, She Wrote called Murder, She Gnome. <laughs> God, that's very clever. <laughs> Um, yeah, and there's also different power levels of play, which it gives you advice on, but okay. it doesn't change the rules in any way. So it does mention you could play um, superheroes, right? So even if you're playing on Superman, you know, level of superheroes, if you're fighting, I don't know anything about Superman, but if you're fighting a really big bad guy, right, that's super powerful, that can destroy cities, in the middle of the fight, you roll to succeed in fighting, but you're still killed by gnomes. <laughs> it doesn't matter that that fight is going on, the gnomes are still involved in some way. Embarrassing. That's so embarrassing for Superman. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, it's just suddenly that you're in the middle funny. of this fight, and they're like, hell, hey! It's almost like a bolt onto any other game, isn't it? So, you like, you could do like a one-shot with its own kind of story if you like but then you throw this kind of could die by a gnome mechanic well they call it a gnome murdered role hence the name of the game so you could yeah you just play a normal game of D&D but if there's a situation that comes up where you might be killed by gnomes do a gnome murdered <laughs> role or wrestle the GM to the ground <laughs> oh yeah exactly I do like how tongue in cheek it is I did think funny. about doing actually playing it that way one day but I remember once when Nick, you tried to show us a kick from your kung fu days during a game, and the the amount of creaking and cracking your body did—it's not up for the wrestling, oh, I don't think. Mate, no, I can't do killed that again. <laughs> that was killed by gnomes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that—that's basically it. There's the the last bit is a uh, a table of no mutations. Meaning that if you're near a gnome, you can get mutated into various things. And gnome loot, most of which is underwear. So <laughs> fucking dirty bastards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's bastard. what it is. Um, that's no murdered, guys. I mean, it is really fucking basic. The whole thing's written in a fairly funny way, and it's tongue-in-cheek. I don't really think it's actually meant to be played. But if you were in the pub and you ordered a game that lasts an hour, this would be a great one to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. Mm. I just like I mean you are going to be dying every 30 seconds so that's the trouble but <laughs> character creation is pretty simple just write a new one down for some reason yeah. I was watching a documentary about truckers the other day and I imagined doing a uh, 
like a tracking, trying to get to like a safe haven while gnomes are after you. And I imagine like making almost everything you do a gnome murdered role. So it's like sun's in your eyes. You put the visor down, right? There's a gnome in there. He jumps out, starts clawing <laughs> yeah. at your eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get a flat tire and you have to do a, a, a tire change on the highway, and then oh, there's a gnome in the as spare you, tire. Yeah, as you get out of the uh, of the truck, you see a gnome with its knife in your wheel. <laughs> Yeah, you put your get, hand in you your bag po- of crisps. There's a gnome in there eating them already. <laughs> he's he's holding one big one like a sheet of paper. You get pulled over by the police, and uh, you're, you're you're looking into the mirror, what, waiting for the officer to turn up, and it's a gnome in like aviator glasses <laughs> and the cop outfit. You know you're doing seventy and a fifty there. <laughs> <laughs> all right um, that go. was my first pick no murdered don't know if it's worth it because it cost me actually a tenner to buy um and i'm guessing that all the other ones we're going to talk about here are free um but nick what's your first pick son my first pick is uh honey heist some of some of our listeners may have heard of this some people have, where we did talk about it last some... episode oh and that too so obviously yeah perfect so the um the well let me let me start with the premise so it's Honeycon 2017. You are going to undertake the greatest heist the world has ever seen. Two things. One, you have a complex plan that requires precise timing. Two, you are a goddamn bear. Yes. That's the premise for the whole thing. Nice. Um, it's a it's a micro RPG. It consists of one page of... Um, well, if you get the original one, it's actually handwritten, which makes it even cuter because it looks like <laughs> it's you know, that kind of written on the back of a napkin thing. Yeah. We should start it doing that. Sell like micro that. RPGs on napkins. It has yeah, a dual thing, use. Just a whole pack of napkins with different games on. And um, yeah, it's it, it's really 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 simple. So it's there's there's only two rolls in the whole game. Uh, you you roll a, you roll um, either bear or criminal. So if you're done doing something that's criminal related or part of this complex plan, then you you will roll criminal. And if you uh, are doing something bear like, i.e. you know scratching, climbing, roaring, um, you will roll your bear roll that is it um you you start off with obviously character creation pretty straightforward you have a descriptor um you have your bear type and each bear type has like a special ability so as an example grizzly comes with terrifying um if you're a sun bear you can sense honey anywhere which is pretty handy if you're a uh, honey badger which i know isn't a bear i didn't write this um (laughs) you get the carnage you get the carnage perk so you get a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of um, trappings to each each class, if you like, and then you have a role. So you're either the muscle, the brains, the driver, the hacker, the thief, or the face. <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah, and you're all so you're all bears exactly that, and you all can have a hat, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, so it starts off with this complex plan that you have, and um, the GM has a few tables that they can roll on. Again, it's all randomly generated from tables of where the uh, honeycon is being kept. Um, held sorry uh, what's the type of um, uh, the organiser what the organiser's like um, our one was that we played he had an obsession with honey uh, you have security features so you know it's Honeycon armed guards there has it got electrically locked gate CCTV network all this kind of stuff and um, and then also there's like a twist as well little do the bears know and then obviously that's for the GM to know and obviously for the bears to find out when they hatch their plan Um that's about it, really. I mean, the twists are pretty cool. I mean, you know, the cops are on route. Look, a rival team of bears. Uh, nice. They've been set up. Uh, so the prize you can is fake. add in these twists sort of when, as and when you feel like it. 
Yeah, I mean, you can have one already kind of planned, and then obviously you could you could kind of change as 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 it goes if it was required. Nice. You can throw a bit more in, I suppose, depending on how the bears are getting on. Um, and there's also not not only the uh, honey, obviously, that they're going to steal. That's that's there's also like an extra prize. So the one that we were going for in our game was the uh, the queen of all bees, one that once exiled, now returned, um, and that was the prize they were going for. And and that is pretty much it, boys. I mean, so the tell me about how you lose or die in the game because i think that's one of the important rules yeah so that's quite an interesting one so every time you so you start off with three points in um bear and three points in criminal every time you make a roll uh depending whether it's criminal or bear you then move a point from that um so, so, so for example if you roll in for criminal and you succeed then you will then take a point out of bear and put it into criminal um if you ever get to six points on either bear or criminal, the game is over for you. You don't die in this game. You essentially, if you go six points in criminal, you become a full-time criminal and, and basically betray the gang. Um, and if you get six points in bear, you become feral and like run off back into the woods. Yeah, I quite like yeah, that. So it's a kind of point management game. It's kind of point management as well. So you have to be mindful of how bear bear you're being or how criminal you're being. Because um, I think Sean actually, didn't he nearly go full criminal if well I he, right. he almost did yeah my brother and he he um he basically just said um like he, he was like okay okay well I'm, I'm gonna do this other criminal thing and you're like are you sure because you're gonna you're gonna just become a hardened criminal and be out of the game but i like that because it means that you you're tr- you're always trying to balance things out and it sort of mitigates players just doing really cool criminal shit constantly and it also yeah. it means that the chaos of being a bear is gonna happen because you because yeah. you have to. It's and quite it just, good as it's well. Because f- when we were playing it, there was a couple of times when, say, for instance, we tried to do a criminal role, but uh, whilst we were doing that, we wanted to fail so that the point went into bear instead. Because obviously, if you fail on yeah. the role you're trying to do, then the points That's move it. the opposite way. And so, yeah, yeah. there's a couple of times we were like, yeah, I know, but I have to try this, but I just hope I fail so that my points. It's get risky, a, yeah. A bit more. Uh, leveled out exactly or the flip side to that if you remember as well the greed is is when everything goes to plan it's great but obviously you're then putting um, points from bear into criminal so succeeding has its consequences as well if you like totally. so you have to, yeah you have to keep an eye on your numbers so even though it's you know two roles in the whole game and two stats you've got to track you've still got to keep an eye on them so that's what i do like there is that kind of extra level of you know, it's a micro RPG, sure, but still, there is little nuances to it that makes it interesting. Yeah, and the thing is, it's such a um, great premise that it's it's just it's it's just bloody fun. You know, you're gonna have a good <laughs> yeah, time. Exactly. People get the chance to act like a bear or a criminal in a game, both of which are going to be extremely cathartic and fun. It's a really, really silly premise, but that's what makes it, mate. Because <laughs> you can get away yeah. with that in a micro RPG. Just play play one off while you're a bear. You're, what's underneath? You know. What's underneath? If we dig down, what's ah. underneath? A network of tunnels, that, a network that. of funnels, a funny little goblin guy. Um, yeah. But let's talk about something completely unoriginal. Um, do you want to? Should we? Should we have a little chat about Carly Rae Jepsen? Uh, if I, we must. I, judging, judging by your reaction, you do you remember this is the the girl that did? Uh, hey, I just met you. It's bloody mental. This is crazy. Here's yeah, that's the Here's one. Here's my number. Yeah, everyone so knows. Call me maybe. Yeah, everyone knows who. Shut, shut up, will you? Christ. Sorry. Um, yeah, so everyone knows who Carly Rae Jepsen is, right? Because of that song. And for some reason, guys, and, and a reason I can't fathom at all, people like her music. Now, when pop mm. musicians make albums, right, a lot of songs end up on the cutting room floor. 
And in the case of Kylie Rae Jepsen, it's believed that she made over 200 in the course of making her last two albums. What? Now, I couldn't wow. find any evidence for this, except for the fact that Carly Rae Jepsen said it once in an interview. I don't know if there's any actual evidence uh, of this happening, but the game we're about to speak about, though, is actually based on this supposed fact that somewhere, perhaps in the vault of some big record company, is a collection of unreleased Carly Rae Jepsen music. That's right. So this micro-RPG goes by the name of Boy Problems, named after one of Carly Rae Jepsen's songs. Right. And, uh, yeah, this, as I mentioned, is unoriginal, right? It's not new mechanics, because it's an adaptation of the sci-fi micro-RPG, Lasers and Feelings. Yeah, and, um, yeah. basically, the story behind it is this. It's the future. Someone wealthy has the 200 unreleased songs, and you play people hired to raid the highly defended location of the songs and retrieve them. Um, so... To make a character is pretty easy. First, you choose a style for your character, so something like charismatic, brooding, bumbling, or sexy. Then you choose your role in the heist. Similar to Honey Heist, you've got things like driver, the muscle, the new kid. And mm-hmm. then then what you do, your stats, you just choose a number, right? So you choose a number between two and five. A higher number means you're better at swords, while a lower, mon- lower number means you're better at emotions. Uh, and it's written like right. It's written emotions because that's the name of one of Carly Rae Jepsen's albums. Fuck. Um, <laughs> I don't know this one's a bit cringe. I've got to be honest with you. I, we'll sort of t- talk about our thoughts about it when we get to the end here. But yeah. Um, yeah. So next, you give your character a cool code name like Axel or Blaze or Zangief. Um, and then you get a, uh, a bonus item, depending on the role you choose. So, example, if you're the fixer, you get a laser blowtorch, whereas the inside man gets a map of the facility you're raiding. Then you pick a goal for your character and make your getaway vehicle as a group. So, the vehicle, everyone sort of chimes in and says what they want it to be. And you pick a strength and a weakness. So, you could have, like, a nimble car, but the weakness is that it's really noisy. You could have a hover van mm-hmm. with superior sensors but it's prone to breaking down, etc., etc. <laughs> That's good. It is quite good. Um, but yeah, when you want to do something, right, you roll a d6, and you roll an initial d, uh, and you roll an additional d6 if what you're doing is in your area of expertise, and a further d6 if you're also prepared for the situation. If you're using swords, you want to roll under the number you chose chose earlier, so it's like anything physical, basically. And if you're using emotions, you want to roll over the number. So ah. that's where picking the number comes in, because if you want to be better at swords, you'll obviously pick a higher number. If you want to be better at emotions, like talking to people, bribing people, all of this stuff, you want a lower number. Mm. Um, the number of successes you get in your dice pool indicates how well the task goes so you kind of want to prepare and want to use things within your wheelhouse if you get one success you scrape by if you get three that's a crit and you get an extra effect and if you get two it's just you know slightly better but if you hit your number exactly you get a cut to the feeling roll and I think that what might be Carly Ray the feeling roll Oh no, mate! Uh, Is that a song? Yeah, I think it's a song. Yeah, it must be. (sighs) I will say this, um, just to to try and because it. Before we continue with the game, I don't understand what it is, but there's for some reason perfectly normal people and loads of people I know and love Carly Rae Jepsen, and I had to listen to her music while I was reading this and writing the review. I can't fuck it. I for the life of me, it's just the same trashy plastic regurgitated pop music. 
that you would hear anywhere. It's no different to Katy Perry or Britney Spears or one of these people. So I don't get it. It yeah, must I be a meme. It, it's so fucked up how, like, someone like this who I don't consider to be, you know, a, a famous artist. Realistically, she was a one-hit wonder and maybe released some more music. But how has she got such a cult following? So much so that someone's redone Ladies and Feelings for her. That's what I don't get. That's what I don't get because I'm fairly certain it's an ironic thing. Because I see like not you know like it's with like My Little Pony people how it's like yeah. bronies we're big dude bros and we like this. It's like I think that's what it is. It must be ironic because I can't see any reason why you would like the music. It's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. <laughs> um, God. But yeah. Anyway, so if you hit the your number exactly, you get a cut to the feeling roll, and you can ask a question of the GM, gaining a special insight into the situation. Now, the very final thing is for the GM to roll up the heist, you do it by rolling or choosing from a number of examples. You pick a location, who's keeping the song, who hired the team to get the songs, and why this person wants the songs. For example, the songs could be locked in an art gallery or being kept by a wealthy business person, and the person who hired the team is a group of super CRJ fans. Oh, and they want the songs so that they can release them for free to the public but the very final section of the book is all about betrayal so as the product puts it you need a betrayal to have a good heist so you roll a d6 and compare it to this table and it tells you who's loyal to who so you might have a couple of players that are actually loyal to the wealthy bloke that owns the museum and are out to sabotage the mission so you have to tell them in secret via text or, or whatever or you might have a player that's, you know, loyal to the, a third faction entirely and wants to steal the songs for themselves. <laughs> that's it, really. I mean, look, the problem with this is, is they've. it reminds me of that Alan Partridge scene where they're talking about the mini Metro and he's just like, they've rebadged it, you fool. <laughs> that's all they've done. I mean, beyond naming things after Carly Rae Jepsen things, it has little to do with her music or anything and mm. you know if it really was about these sort of uh, as the game is called boy problems if it was like about you know teenagerhood and boy problems and the type of things Kylie Rae Jepsen actually sings about I mm. think it would be way more of a laugh than this crappy rebranding where the MacGuffin happens to be CRJ related yeah um, <laughs> I, I think it's I think it is completely rubbish not to mention, not free either. It costs uh, like $3 <gasps> to get this, turd. And it's just... Lasers and Feelings is a good game. And in fact, this is quite a good game. The only trouble is, is all they've done is just rebadge things with stupid names. That's all it is. It's a yeah. fucking waste of money. I've heard, I just realised, though, has any of us... We haven't played Lasers and Feelings, have we? No, but I've read it, obviously. Yeah, but I mm. feel like... You know, because it was mentioned way back when, back in like one of the single-digit episodes... Um, mm. I do feel like it's about time we probably played it. <laughs> we owe it we to should. Lasers and Feelings to play it. Yeah, we should do it. Yeah. Why, uh, but not this version? Or play the proper no, version? No, oh, we'll play the proper one. Oh, the original, no, no. thank you very much. It's, it's yeah. Fucking CRJ can go fuck a duck. <laughs> Thanks, James. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't like the game. I think it's stupid. Um, and yeah, don't, don't really bother. Just get Lasers and Feelings. It's free and better. And it's based mm. on a pretty funny song. So, um... Nick, what's your next one, buddy? Next one, I have got another um, humdinger from Grant Howitt. And uh, this time we've got Adventure Skeletons. Enough said. <laughs> Moving on. Right. No, go on. <laughs> so here we go. You are a skeleton, bored of being told to guard some boring old dungeon by a wizard. So you dress up in some kit you found on a corpse and set off to the human dungeon. 
or village as they call it, for an adventure. Your adventuring goals are to slay villains, get cool treasure, and perform legendary deeds. I'm in. Nice. So that's it. You're a bunch of skeletons. Uh, your normal day job is that you're guarding a dungeon for a wizard as, as normal, and uh, you get a bit bored of that with you and your skeletal mates, and uh, decide to go off on your own adventure. So it's like, it's like reverse D&D. Yeah. I have a question I, though because I've I've been um playing my Christmas present that you got me James. Yeah. I've been playing Icewind Dale on the Nintendo Switch. Nice. And um it's based on the um you know the D&D rules and stuff. Great game. Really fucking great game. I'm sorry to derail you here Nick, but No, not at all. One of the first dungeons in the game, right? You're fighting a bunch of skeletons. And I just had a thought bring the 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 wise words of Ali G. Why are all skeletons evil? Well, that's it. I mean, if you're made to guard a dungeon all day, yeah, I know. Fair point. Fair point. Um, sick of their job, and that's sick of, sick of the job. Overworked, <laughs> underpaid. Sick of it. For fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, carry on, Nick. Adventure skeletons. What's the dizzle? No worries. So yeah. So first of all, we start off with um, picking basically what type of skeletor you are. So you have ancestry. <laughs> so you can, uh, I guess, you can roll a d6 and do it randomly, or you can pick if you've got some people. But I just go through the ancestry of skeletons. So you could be an orc skeleton. Uh, you get a plus one to hitting and shouting. Uh, you can be an elf skeleton, get plus one to speaking and moving. You can uh, be a dwarf one, uh, which is uh, your head and chest to get an extra hitbox. Very nice. Goblin, plus one to sneak in and run away. Human, detach a body part to re-roll a skill check. <laughs> or you can be an ancestral skeleton, so you've always been a skeleton. And <laughs> you get Shut plus one to skeleton brilliant. knowledge and culture. Well, so. James, when two skeletons love each other very much... <laughs> yeah, exactly. the that comes along <laughs> exactly um so <clears throat> once you've um figured out what what your ancestry is your next part is that you have an equipment table so you just roll twice again it's on the d6 you get leather armor metal armor a scimitar a dagger a great axe or bow and arrows very good oh, fun nice. um and then next up we determine what the human dungeon's dark secret is um, a bit of a theme with mr howitt he likes a table gives you a bit of filler makes the gm's life a bit easier so um, again, we roll a table, some of them on there harboring a murder cult, imprisoning a bunch of innocent skeletons in a basement, not on. Uh, <laughs> none of them have skeletons, they're all outsider pod people in disguise, you know. Is the human dungeon just like a village? Well, precisely that, mate. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's brilliant. The, uh, that's, the, that's another table. So you can have a vibrant farm in Hamlet. You can have a busy crossroad with an inn and a river, uh, a monastery and library, a mage's college, a shady river port, or a seaside resort. Seaside resort. I just imagine Eastbourne, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the skeletons. Bunch of skeletons rolled up, start popping beach balls. We have, uh, obviously, we need a goal. So, you know, some treasure for the skeletons to find. Again, it's another table. So, we can, you know, you can be after a bag of gold and gems, a magic scimitar, magic armor, invisibility cloak. Potion of Repair, Hat of Subterfuge. So you've got some cool magical items there as well. Quite interesting. Um, we'll get on to the mechanics because this is this is fun. So it's very straightforward. Um, so basically, when someone attacks you, they hit automatically. If <laughs> anyone comes at you or your skeleton guys, they're always going to hit because you're slow. You're a skeleton. Um, and what you have to do is you roll a d10 on the hit location table, which is basically just a picture of a skeleton with uh, all of these body parts labelled. Um, mm. and, and then obviously depending on what the role is determines how much damage that um, that part takes uh, and they all have their own individual hit points and uh, when when the uh, when it gets the maximum hit points that part comes off <laughs> nice so by the end of the adventure you could just be like an arm and a head dragging its Basic- way on yep 
precisely that. So yeah, you know, and you um, yeah. So basically, that's exactly it. Uh, sorry, <laughs> if a body part has no hitboxes remaining, it's broken. So they can detach, but as long as they're not broken, you can reattach them. <laughs> if they're completely oh, broken, awesome. you can't put them back on again. So if a body exactly. part comes off, you can stick it back on. If it breaks or you lose it. You can replace it with any other bone you find on your travels. You can have a non-bone <laughs> oh replacement at a time that must be of an appropriate size and shape. So you, so you can also have something that's a bit random, like a barrel for a chest or a tree branch for a leg. <laughs> I, I'm, that's I'm really cool. Now, like, if you are able to use any bones you find along the way, oh, right. I'm imagining a skeleton who's had his legs chopped off, but he's found like a cat skeleton, and he's got two tiny legs where his ones used to be. <laughs> exactly. I've got um, an image of a skeleton with arms all, all around, like in a star shape, and his head sits in his rib cage. <laughs> so he just awesome. like flips around. He just rolls. I like the game says, uh, fun fact, every human and most animals are full of bones, going almost entirely unused. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's got a nice, it's got a comedy flavour to it. And um, so, so that's the kind, that's your kind of hit points and, and um, you know, location, hit location table, if you like. And then lastly, we've got um, performing actions. So again, it's all D10. Uh, so <clears throat> you roll a D10 and it has to be equal to or um, beat the game's master's target number. So again, it's just a little table easy peasy um easy task is four standard six challenging eight and really difficult is a 10 your roll is a minus one for each body part you're currently missing so obviously if you're missing two legs it's a minus two uh, that's uh, why you've so only on. got 10 parts of the body that they've labeled eh? that's it exactly uh, and then damaging humans and other things is if you hit uh roll on the location table to see where you hit and if you roll your damage dice versus their toughness um and if you beat their toughness, you take you take them out of action. Simple as that. Um, nice. If not, lower their toughness. Uh, yeah, so if not, you just wear them down. Um, if your head comes off and it's completely... Uh, and it loses all of its hit points, that's when you're out, basically. Okay. Oh, okay. You're probably going to become useless before you die. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you just turned it... You know, all of your body parts... You've, your body's been hit off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Yeah, but don't forget you got equipment. So you just you end know. up as Daniel, the skull. Exactly. Yeah. Skull. But how fun! Can you imagine having a group of like four or five skeletons all just in a like party adventuring? And, Can like, you morph you know, together? One of them's got an arm off. Well, I suppose up to the GM, I guess. But it's, that'd be um, hilarious. You know, imagine just... that you're all um, um instead, there's no arms. There's your, your mate skulls there, and it's three of you inhabiting one body, and you're just legs running like. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so good. <laughs> and it's it's like um fucking Power Rangers when the Megazords come together. Oh, exactly, yeah. So, yeah. but it's yeah. Uh, do you know what? It's, it's I love how simple it is, but it's it's clearly quite hilarious. I'm just gonna um I'm just gonna paste in the chat quickly the um the skeleton because I think you'll quite like it. Look at his uh look at his double thumbs up. So yeah, so that's the hit marker thing. <laughs> Shit table. That is that's funny. I like how um that's sort of crudely drawn it is. Very, yeah, very yeah it is all drawing. like very much to that style, isn't it? But it's it's brilliant. The guy's a genius for like small but still quite. But I would love to play know. an extended campaign of something like this, like instead of Saga of the Golden Horde, Saga of the Skeleton Horde. <laughs> yeah, oh mate, that would be so what good. An idea. Imagine having minions, uh, not minions. Like, I think so they're like mooks or minions or whatever. But you get minions. But imagine if they were like all instead of skeletons, they were like animals. <laughs> little bat, little bat skeleton. 
Yeah. Scree! Um, yeah, Adventure <laughs> Skeletons. That, that one sounds awesome. I'm aware that we're sort of running a bit long on time. Let's discuss real quick what the, the merits of a micro RPG, because I think it's kind of took me by surprise. And in fact, I actually once made a micro RPG that was half a page that was made entirely to mock micro RPGs. Um, if you <laughs> it, recall, was. it was called Don't. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it, it basically had no setting or anything. I mean, it was just like all I remember is that a critical success was called a uh, no, a success was called a do, a, a critical success was called a big do, and then uh, obviously a crit failure was a big don't, and that's all I remember about it. But it was very stupid. But yeah, micro RPGs, man. I think they're the perfect thing if you need a quick one shot done and you're just up for bullshitting and drinking some beers. Nick, yeah. your thoughts. Yeah, totally. Um, I think they're a really good introduction introduction uh, mechanism, if you like, to get people into the game as well. And that's that goes for GMs mm. as well, because what you might find is is that people want to check the hobby out. Um, they've got a group together, but you know they're a little bit um, nervous about GMing. Um, and this these type of intros are a really good way to kind of get your head around it. I think because they're so light, so funny, um, and you know you can enjoy it and get a feel for what. RPG and is you know that's what I yeah. think I think they're really really good little kind of gateway into the hobby that's a really really good point and I do think that um, you know it, it, it with with newbies it's often hard to get them to play because of what they think RPGs are really like and exactly. a lot of people don't think you can just sit down and bullshit and have a fun game like this you know like yeah. adventure skeletons um, and I think that this is the type of one that you could break out with say your um, wife and her mates. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. the, it's the only t- yeah, exactly. way you Family could get them into playing it. You know, the, yeah. the, these are the kind of ones where you know you try and you think you try and sell D and D just by talking to someone who's no, has no idea what this is about. It's difficult to kind of keep them hooked. I think. Whereas this thing, you could literally just go. Better, better yet, I'll show you. <laughs> you're a bear, and you're going to try and nick some honey. And it, it, I don't know. I just think it's, it works a lot easier to sell it to someone. Yeah, it's definitely a good idea as intro. I completely agree with that. And also, it's like a whole letting of steam bit. And because each of these micro RPGs, they can, you know, they can last um, uh, less time than a game, a full game of Monopoly. You know, those can drag on. It's like it can be, you know, family board game time. And you just be like, all right, we're just going to do this um, because it gets people thinking outside the the box a bit more instead of, you know. Governed by a bunch of rules that you know, some people when they're doing board games, that like, right, what is this rule again? What's that again? And then you'll yeah, bug down, yeah. takes the fun out of it. Whereas this is just you know, depending on what micro RPG you pick up, it's, it should just be naturally all fun because that's what they're and designed you can, to do. You can realistically just read it 10 minutes before the game as well, exactly. Um, yeah, it's like almost no, yeah. Set- and I agree with you, James. It's going to be much more fun than most board games to crack out um, and and have a laugh. Do you know what I mean? Especially something like Honey Heist or Adventure Skeletons. You know, the, these these are like things you don't have to take seriously at yeah. all. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like the super light setup because um, recently uh, Christmas I got a game called Agricola. It's a board game. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's so many pieces. It's a very fun game. It's basically like a farming simulator. Um, easiest way to put it. But it's... It's just, it's a good game, but it's arduous to set up and take down. Yeah. Whereas yeah, like yeah, yeah. this, you can just be like, all right, give me just a sec. All right, sweet, let's play. Yep. Yeah, exactly. perfect. So, and I also think, you know, um, given current world events, sometimes you just need to 
let loose and have a laugh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And you know what? Really and if, serious... like, with, with lockdown and stuff, like imagine if there's some people that haven't played RPGs before ever, but then they've used something like a micro RPG to just kind of liven up their virtual, I don't know, meet up with their mates and having a pint. One of them's like, well, 100%. Look, let's try this. Yeah, Perfect. I like the yeah. fact that it gives think... people an insight into our world because yeah, yeah. D and D has such a stigmatism that ooh, D and D, you nerds. It's not well, yeah, no. yeah, correct. But yeah, all right. Well, that is going to be it for uh, the micro RPGs chat. We all obviously think you should go and try a few out, especially some of the ones we've mentioned today. Mm. Let's do some electro letters. Ooh. Okay then. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. Alright, first one comes in from Yorkus Rex. Um, Some of these questions, by the way, are left over from the last episode because we didn't have time to do them. Um, So yeah, Yorkus Rex, he says, what do you do when the futurist game you were playing 30 years ago catches up to the actual date and the writers got it all wrong as far as tech, politics, hairstyles, street gang warfare and everything? Do you treat it as an alternate timeline game or do you arbitrarily add 57 years to the game's setting date and assume the players won't live long enough to see it's all wrong again? Um... (laughs) Alternative. Yeah, I mean the thing is, the uh, I, I mentioned this last episode, but the uh, cyberpunk game I'm running is set in the far future of 2020, like a couple <laughs> of weeks ago. Um, uh, I like it. We we mentioned last last episode that both James and I love the retro futuristic style of cyberpunk. Oh yeah, completely. Oh me too. Completely. Yeah, because yeah. I mean when when you play Shadowrun and they thought you know money would be on cred sticks, you know, and things like this, I just love it. Low tech, high tech, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's things that haven't come true yet, and like, I often like the way they predicted technology. They thought was going to be a real big hit, like video phones. Never really took off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're doing Zoom calls nowadays, but when you call your mate just to ask if he's on his way to the pub, you're ju- you're not going to just go on video phone because most people don't want to get ready just to call their mate. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's right. Where's the, where, you know where's the, where's the robots that look after you and stuff? They're yeah. not here yet. Well, they've got Roombas. But then, yeah, but they just run over dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's exactly what I was thinking about. God, that's so bad. The pictures of it, it makes me want to die. Oh. It's like all gummed up with turds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spread it around the house. It's the worst, yes, isn't it? I, I think if your future game is set in the past, which was previously the future, just keep it as it is. It's fun. Yeah, it's good yeah, to be an alternate good. timeline. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Absolutely. Victor Ulansky, he says the world building of Cyberpunk 2077 is is great, but after 100 hours invested in the game, it's getting grindy and repetitive. The level cap is so lame. Why would you do that in a single player game? Balance issues? What's the point? I don't stick... I, I don't think I've ever played a game except for Dark Souls for more than 100 hours. And... um. Yeah, that's why it'll get boring, because most games are actually quite shallow, and they're designed to be completed in about half that time, if that... Unless you're playing Zelda. I think I'm 100 hours in and I've not even done one Divine Beast yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, you got to do one of those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but then I've completed it twice and I think my total playtime is about 60, 70 hours, but I'm not sure, but yeah. I'm not the type of person that goes around doing absolutely everything. I mean, Cyberpunk 2077, it's got these bloody stupid missions where 
it's a game about rebellion and gangs and uh, you know carving out your place in the city but for some reason that one of the side missions it's not really a mission it's just something you can do to kill time is that you can help the cops out with gang activity. And it's like, how the fuck does that fit into the setting? So I, I did one and was like, oh, they've just populated a warehouse with people to shoot. That's all it is. I'm not going to bother with this. Yeah. So, I mean, I just did the, I did the main side quests, if they can be called such a thing, and the main story. That's all I did. And it was, it was fucking great. If I'd have spent 100 hours on it too, I'd probably be bored by it. As for the level cap, I don't think I hit it, so I don't know what it is. But um, I don't know. My character was pretty powerful by the end. Nice. Still, I'm not making excuses. A level cap is kind of dumb. All right. Um, next one comes in. Garrett Weinstein says, Cyberpunk Red versus Sprawl Runners. Also, uh, well, he's got another question about Cyberpunk 2020. Um, but anyway, Cyberpunk Red looks good. Is a great game. Way too fucking expensive. Sprawl Runners is Manuel Sams' new setting. that's basically yeah. Shadowrun, but not called Shadowrun for Savage Worlds. Yeah. Um, and it's like fucking selling like like hotcakes I mean the the thing is we Nick and I actually were in the playtesting pretty much yeah. for this weren't we because mm-hmm. we played the very early version of it yeah um, Sprawl Runners mate it's it's like 7 quid get it yeah it's totally. definitely better than Cyberpunk Red for the money and it's a fuck, he's a great game designer so yeah definitely that awesome yeah. man oh mate definitely alright uh, Lewis Pineda what book or movie series would you like to see as an RPG for me it would be the Dungeon Book series by Philip Jose Farmer don't know what the fuck that is but yeah a book or movie you want to see turned into an RPG Nick Ooh, I thought about this the other day um, ah what was it now a book or a movie that needs to be turned into an RPG is the Stephen King's Dark Tower yeah, that would be good. That would be good. I mean, yeah, we did it with Deadlands, but yes, the thing is, is that if you had a, a full-on, full-setting book for it, that'd be fucking yeah, great. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Normally. I mean, it's got it's like it's like fantasy, sci-fi, western. It's fucking great, man. Yeah, exactly. I would definitely, I would love to see a proper rule set of that, mm-hmm. probably for Savage Worlds. But yeah. James, how about you, man? Um, I'm going to say, and I haven't actually watched any of them, but I know that they would be a great... Um, RPG if they did do it, but you know, like those weird, stupid cult-followed like Sharknado series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like no, them. there is one of those that's well, been made into an RPG. What? Yeah, Trailer Park Shark Attack. Yeah. Oh fuck yes. Well then, it's already been done, mate. Your wish has come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there, and actually, it's really quite good as well. Yes. It's basically um, it's by Carl Kiesler for Savage Worlds. But you don't play wild cards; you play extras. So it means everyone dies in one wound. But the but the module comes with like fifty different characters. One of them's like a mole Santa. Like there's hillbillies, all sorts. It's really great. And uh, yeah, so you die in one wound, and then you know you've if you get to the bottom of the stack of characters, then you run out. But um, as you go through the trailer park, you'll kind of see oh, there's another guy in a tree, and he's like help me, and then he joins the team. You know, like yeah. it's kind of like a funnel, but for Savage Worlds. Oh, nice. What about you, Harrison? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't really watch much TV. I do read a lot of books. Uh, I mean, look, okay, I do, I, do, I do watch a lot of TV, but I only watch trash, right? That's, <laughs> that's sort of my thing. That's all right. RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, I was going to say, what are we making then? See, that would be good. That's one of my favourites. But um, The Apprentice, easily, hands oh. down. I know there's that card game. What is it? Um, I Dark Overlord that's kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to play. The Apprentice is easily my favourite fucking show. And I would love to play that. Because it's just watching 
people that think they're the greatest fail at GCSE level business tasks and it is fantastic yeah. and I would love to do that like a bunch of fucking idiots trying to succeed at business that would be that would be fun <laughs> that that would, would, I'd play that hilarious. I'd play that I mean let's be honest Tough Guys is probably going to be quite similar to that a bunch of idiots trying to succeed That's true. at something they're not qualified for oh yeah uh, we got a couple more questions left here. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is a slightly heavy, but I actually think it's a quite a good, quite a good question and one to speak about. And then we've got a really fucking stupid one to follow up at the end, so mm-hmm. we'll balance cool. it out. Um, Terry Hansen, he says, legitimate question to make up for all my shit questions. Do you think Wizards of the Coast is trying to prove they are inclusive? Yes, there has been a severe deficit on the inclusivity market in the history of RPGs. Should it be the company's sole responsibility to very publicly show that they are accepting and encouraging diversity? Is it because they're currently in such a mainstream environment? I know companies like Paizo are very inclusive, but it is inherent in their publications and actions. Wizards of the Coast almost seems to be trying so hard to make its point that it comes across as insincere. I swear I have gay black furry friends, he puts in quotes there. Maybe I'm just getting long in the tooth and becoming part of the old generation that just shakes their head at the youth. I always viewed RPGs as a hobby for the disenfranchised, the outcasts, the freaks and geeks. It was the game we played together and escape into a game of teamwork and adventure. The whole time we gave the middle finger to all the normal, boring people. So yeah, I mean, on the subject of companies trying hard to be inclusive, I think that the this comes down to the fact that I think recently, you two, um, Wizards of the Coast uh, announced that they were going to have their first wheelchair accessible dungeon, which is insane. And... <sighs> I don't. I think. I, th- I obviously think inclusion is a good idea, but the own the reason that it seems forced is because if they really cared about it, and if it was their real emotions, and it wasn't just motivated by business, they would have done it to begin with. And yeah. even Paizo's difficult. Uh, d- um, even Paizo's sort of guilty of that because in first edition Pathfinder. All the women were drawn in that typical fantasy way where they're wearing just about nothing. Yeah, and. You know, when you seek big businesses to represent you, you're always going to be disappointed because if you if they're only doing it because people have shouted at them, well, then of course it's insincere. The thing exactly. is, I don't think they should shout about it. It should be like, say, for instance, they want to get on, um, uh, I don't know, the, the hype, because I know that the inclusivity and diversity is, is pretty ripe at the minute. But if they wanted to do that, they should just make their the next release just mention something about in the rules but not draw attention to it because then slowly it will actually feed out into the people that care and be like oh here's a dungeon and by the way just because it's dungeon that you doesn't mean you have to walk using your legs you can put a wheelchair in there if you if you choose to you know something like that where it's kind of you just slip it in there but I feel as if, like, like it, it is, and like you say, James, like they should just bake it as part of the setting yeah. and not make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Because when you, the, the trouble is, when you make, I can't speak for people like black people or gay people or anything like this. Because let's be honest, I'm not a, a minority. I'm quarter Polish, but I don't think that really counts. <laughs> um, I will say this though: my wife is disabled, and that's something that I often think about. You know, when when there's been a couple of shows out there that have had her um, disease on it. For example, Bates Motel. There's a girl in it who has cystic fibrosis, and when you watch, you go, "I wonder if they did a good job of it." But it's not. 
when people try to ham fist it in, making a wheelchair accessible dungeon completely defeats the point of playing someone like yourself if you are disabled in a game because because the look at the Dark Tower for example, it's probably one of the most inclusive books ever. I mean, it, the one of the main characters is a black schizophrenic woman in a wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. And the point of the character and what makes her strong is overcoming a non-accessible world despite the fact that she has these conditions, right? And it's the same with my wife. The reason I look up to her, the reason I think that she's great is because her condition does make everything harder and the will the the world isn't built for her um and to make her life easier but she does it anyway that's yeah. sort of the point and i think that when you pander to people and go hey you disabled guys can have fun too it just kind of yeah. it always seems sincere and it's because it's a big company i'm sure there are plenty of games out there that represent disabled people in a decent way but i don't care for me i don't know if you guys agree the when I think about inclusivity in games, if I see a book right and there's no black people in it, but I want black people in my game, I'm the GM. The ne- yeah, very exactly. nature of these games yeah. is that you can put that in. Just because they're not described in there doesn't mean you can't be them. Yeah, and and you know, like for example, Tough Guys as a setting, um, or, and Wise Guys actually, because Wise Guys is a, a, a very faithful recreation of Italian mobsters, and even includes the history in there. Eric originally, you know, when he was doing research for that book, he found that the mafia consisted only of Italian men, right? So, but that's kind of, it's kind of boring just to only play those people. So he altered his setting because he wrote it to include the associates. So that's why we have the associates in Wise Guys. It means that you can play absolutely anyone. Mm. You can play a woman. There's mm-hmm. a Black Elvis character as a uh, um, as an archetype because... It's it can be more fun to play that, but if it, but if a book, say for example, I picked up um, a book and there was uh, yeah absolutely none of these types of people in here and things like this, but I still like the system. I just alter that when I play the game. I think it's more up to the yeah. to the GMs to make this difference. D and D is a generic fucking system for making ge- generic fantasy, and you can do whatever you want with it. I mean, I'm currently well, I, I played him before a game with. A bunch of uh, pretty much, I think everyone who was in the game as an uh, old school D and D game, everyone was gay, and except for me, obviously. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the game was like it was like had a lot of like LGBTQ um, themes and characters and things like this because D and D is so simple to put that stuff in yourself. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, that's yeah. part of the joy of it. So I don't think there's any point. Don't in... let the don't let the big companies do it for you. Do it yourself. Use your own initiative. Yeah, exactly. Because so, they're never going to yeah. be sincere going about to, it. And going back to Terry's original question, yes, Wizards of the Coast are trying yeah. too hard. As are Paizo, though. To be fair, I mean, yeah, uh, it, and and to be to be perfectly honest, if you are a minority, you want. I mean, I'd rather play the games written by people that that know the things. I've been through you know what I mean Mm -hmm. if indeed that is what you're looking for if you say for example you are disabled and you really want a game that that does it faithfully and it doesn't exist make it yourself and if there is one that does it faithfully play that instead that's all you need to do if that's what you're after or as I said but I think my personal opinion is the GM should be putting it in on their level Um, because you can't trust companies to do the right thing they're not going to (laughs) that's right exactly (laughs) Now let's get fucking silly, shall yes. we, guys? Because uh, 
John the Paladin, he says, At a work party, I once saw a colleague down a pint that had fag butts in it. That means cigarette ends, for those who don't know. What's the worst thing you've witnessed at a work do? Whoa. <laughs> Uh, wow. You know, the weird thing about that email is I've okay. seen somebody do that before as well. James, I'll bleep her name, but you know her. Do you remember mm-hmm. When you could smoke in pubs, she was putting all of her fucking cigarette butts into a uh, jug that we'd previously used as a pitcher, obviously, with beer in it, and uh, and then uh, drank a little the sip. liquid that was in there. <laughs> yep. What? Uh, that's nasty, that's mate. Nasty. Yeah, she was pretty gross. It was quite funny because later that night she came on to me and I was like, no, nah, you're right. <laughs> Fagash. Breath. You've been drinking <laughs> no, fag juice. No, you're right. <laughs> Literal fag ash mouth. But he's weird, um, as John says. The, the things that happen at work parties is fucking mental. Um, you view, James, you you must have some stories. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, there was one thing which, uh, from a work standpoint, was pretty ridiculous. Um, someone basically got carted out in a fucking stretcher for um, doing drugs, um, but they kept their job. <laughs> Um, and I still don't know how they managed that. They kept their job. They got carted past, you know, a few director levels that, and they kind of shrugged it off. But, like, literally everyone knew why they were in that state. But they kept their job and even at some point got a promotion. It's just like, oh, my <laughs> Lord. That, that, I mean, I know which company that was for, right? And yeah. I used to work for that same company, and I fucking hated it for that very reason. It's just if you can if you can lick enough manager asshole, you're gonna get ahead in that job. <laughs> it was fucking horrible. Um, yeah, I've got a pretty good one actually. It's not necessarily the weirdest thing, but it was very funny. Um, I used to work for a bicycle company um, in a specific department. Oh, this, I'm not gonna get into the right. It doesn't matter. But the point is, is that we once um, they once gave us a weekend away right at this hotel. With, and, and told us it was for a treat and really what they were trying to do is get ideas out of us for free that's an actual <laughs> fact and we, we, they, they were like hey guys I know we've, we've got a mountain biking trip coming up but uh, go, let's go to this meeting room we've rented out and they were like so how do you think we can promote this new scheme that we're doing and we are like oh, oh my god they tricked us anyway it was pretty funny because there was this saleswoman that worked with us and she was fucking fucking hammered man like absolutely but like Bellotto, she'd been buying wine by the dozen using her company credit card, right? Oh. And the CEO was with us. And um, she goes up to the CEO and uh, brings another bottle of champagne over to the table. And she's like, she's like, there you go, Mark. And uh, Mark's like, oh, thanks so much, Nick. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm going to bleep her name. But he goes, <laughs> he's like, thanks so much um, for, for, for that, mate. I really appreciate that. And he starts drinking it. She's like, what do you mean? Why are you so, why are you so thankful? He's like, well, no, I just appreciate the gift. And she's like, no, the company's paying for it, right? And he's like, no. And she'd spent nearly 600 quid on booze that night. It was wow. so bad. It was what? so bad. Oh, my Lord. She eventually got sacked. Oh, yes. It was unrelated. It wasn't for that. But it was fucking mental. It was like, it, it was just all the 40-year-old women, they just get rat ass. They go mental. And then they come into work the next day like it was nothing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just back to normal, back to it's quiet. Like, how, how are you still alive? I know. Nick, any good things you witnessed at a work do? Oh, just similar, really. Just just drunk people. I remember someone was really drunk and had like two wine bottles in their hand and they were... Um, oh yes! God. Yeah, you know, classic. Someone was sick on a dance floor once. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like that, you know. That's like the type of thing that when you, when you get back to work... That's when you get like a nickname. Do you know what I mean? It's like, ah, it's puke floor. Or it's <laughs> yeah, or like wine exactly. hands. 
Amy Winehands. Amy Winehands. Uh, <laughs> I, I used to work at a. Um, I, I used to. This is the last thing I'll say on this matter. All right. Okay. But yeah, I used to work at um, a company selling double glazing, right? And <laughs> people know where this is going already because those companies are so fucking dodgy. Like they're really bad. Our manager used to smoke weed every day in the car park. Like we smoked in the office. We fucking just sat there playing games. Like it was. It was so bad. It was such a horrible company um, to work for and so fucking scummy. I used to do it door to door. I used to do it over the phone and. Um, it's actually probably one of the best jobs I've had because it was just mental. And um, basically, they had this rule: if we got enough leads, we would get a party every Wednesday. Uh-huh. And at the time, bear in mind, our boss was a guy that everyone saw stab somebody at a party because <gasps> our place of work was near a really like rough area. <laughs> And uh, he got away with it on some sort of technicality, but everyone knows he stabbed a guy, and he was our boss, right? So every Wednesday, we get a party if we got enough leads, and the guy just really wanted to drink on the company's money, so even if we didn't get enough leads, uh, we would get a party anyway. So every Wednesday, we had a party, and our boss, at one point, had a bit of beef with this guy named... Uh, with this guy, whose name I'm not going to mention. <laughs> <laughs> and he's this is the guy that stabbed somebody, right? And they had a, a fucking huge fight in one of the offices. Like, chairs going everywhere, chucking oh phones at each other, nutting each other. It went fucking crazy. And then, uh, outside, the manager was outside, and he, was like, he, he started crying. He was like, I can't believe I hit him, man. What's wrong with me? <laughs> and it was just like, mate, sick party. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. we, all got, um, we all took the boxes of wine and took them back to some woman's house it was fucking mental um but yeah great great place to work i remember eventually it went bankrupt and we all stole everything from the office and as we were being told we'd lost our jobs the uh the acting manager at the time stood in front of the tv and went you're not having the fucking telly i've I've bagsied it (laughs) (laughs) such a good place to work man it was always eventful sounds crazy Mm, it was it was nuts it was fucking nuts but yeah um, that's it I guess yeah, yeah work parties they're fucking crazy especially in England man it's just it's, or there's, or there's a sacking every time oh, you know somebody's yeah. always puking up yeah good times, good times. alright well that is going to be it for another episode thank you very much for your questions shall we do an outro lads shall we yeah I just don't want to catch him in bed with a goblin but if he's in there rolling around hacking him up and he's got a goblin guide you know taking him into the cave I'm not expecting him to not get dirty. All right, well, that was it. Uh, That's a podcast. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. And goodbye. Oh. No, we've got to do the contact (laughs) information. Nick, hit us with the contact information. If you would like to send a contact over, please do at freetrpgpod at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials. You know where we're at, Twitter, Facebook. And most importantly, if you'd like to chuck us a buck, why don't you pop over to the Patreon and uh, and do that? Uh, it's much appreciated and um, we love the support. And uh, yeah, you can pledge and become a uh, part of the Dark Army like uh, the other guys. Yeah, are. and... We could really do with the money, mate. <laughs> Come on, give us yeah. a little bit. Give us 10p uh, for a cup of tea. <laughs> exactly. And why not go over to uh, Drive Through RPG and check out Free Tea RPG Publishing? Oh, why not? Yeah. Oh, we'll make RPG products for food. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Need to get some bread. <laughs> All right, well, I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been Nick Lambslice. I've been Jimmy Clark. And remember, the D20s are cool, but 20Ds. <laughs> Now that's a good time. <laughs> Fuck it. Now what an outro. My deepest apologies, listeners. Nailed it. Mm-hmm.